Well, hello, guys. This is Tuesday Night Hangout, your favorite show on Tuesday night. Thank you for joining us. Uh, with us, we have uh, Will and Mark. What's up, guys? Hello, everyone. And uh, I figured tonight would be a good night to uh, talk about a few things. Um, we're looking at talking about uh, radio communications when you're paramotoring. Um, talk about used gear. And also, we would like to talk about a little bit about video recording. Um, I kind of apologize for the show. We had a little um, burp in the system. Usually, this is Shane's night to be taking care of the show. And Everybody, I don't know if you know, um, but you will. I guess I don't have to follow any HIPAA laws. Krista had um, uh, carpal tunnel surgery, and uh, so she's just recovering from that. Shane's taking care of his wife, um, so he asked if I could do the show tonight, and I figured we will. So on top of that, uh, tonight we are going to be uh, giving something away. Um, so uh, say hi to Will because he is writing your names down in a spinny wheel, I hope, and we'll go from there. Yeah, man, it's um, my first try doing it, so hope I get yeah. it right. Hope I don't yes. miss I may be a little uh, gone tonight. I was up at three o'clock in the morning and my day just went from not very good to kind of a little worse, but it's... <laughs> It's better now because I am on the show and I don't have to think about work, but um, yeah, so uh, I'll let you, Mark, go ahead and introduce yourself and where we can find you on media and everything else. Hey guys, I'm Mark McElroy and you can find me on YouTube at Paralife PPG and on the internet at ParalifePPG.com. Glad y'all are here. And then Will? Mute, unmute. So yeah, I'm Will Fly, and uh, it's good to be here with you guys, even if it is Plan C. Is that right? We're on Plan C. And yes. uh, <laughs> you can find me on YouTube under Will Fly or willflyppg.com. And if you're watching the show, you can find me at PPG Lear because that's where you found me. Anyways, um, so let's talk a little bit about used gear. Start start off with used gear. And this was something from uh, one of the chatters. I'm not going to mention names, but um, they're looking at used gear and they want to know, you know, when you're looking towards used gear, you know, what do you look for? Um, and I will be honest, I'm not 100% sure I am the proper person to answer that question, but I can give you my opinion. Um, so on a wing, considering that kind of holds you up in the air, I would tend to think that you would want to look towards a new wing. When you are a beginner, I would look towards a high A or a, um, a B wing. And 90 percent of people will not outfly that wing. Uh, you can still do 
a lot of acro with a B-wing, um, you know, if you want to go that route. But definitely a B-wing will get you uh, where you want to go. I know Shane has a high A-wing and he passes me up. So they are quick, they're fast, but I've been using speed bar a little bit lately. So I would like to uh, see how that kind of goes. As far as the motor goes, as far as the frame goes, it's a frame. Just look to make sure, inspect it, make sure it's not cracked. Make sure your harness is not frayed or wore out. Um, but as far as the motor goes, you'd never know how the maintenance has been done. And unless you buy it from a totally reputable person that you trust, I mean, you could have a 200 hour motor that is ready to be hung up, or you can buy a 200 hour motor that um, is in great shape. You just don't know how it ran before that. Uh, what do you guys, Mark, what do you feel? And actually in the chat, you know, what do you guys think about that too? Um, when I, when I was first uh, looking at getting in, you know, like other people that have maybe made the mistake, you know, uh, I ran out and bought a wing and a frame and motor. The frame was uh, basically a brand new Kangook and, uh, but an old motor and a real old wing. And uh, I cleaned it all up. I got it for basically next to nothing. I got it for a thousand bucks. And uh, and I had one of the paramotor guys I was talking to that he's a good pilot. And he said, oh, yeah, get it. You know, so I went and got it and uh, cleaned it all up, got it running good. He flew it. Uh, and then I sold it for three grand and bought all brand new stuff. <laughs> you know, I never <laughs> flew it. Um, but for me, uh, trying to think how you say it, not sound like an idiot, but um, this is my hobby and it's my toy, and um, and I just will keep buying all brand new stuff. Um, my motor has, I think, about seventy-eight and a half hours on it, and I think somewhere's when it gets around. I'm just thinking about it, but maybe when it gets around a hundred hours or so, I think the whole unit is still real valuable. I'm going to sell the whole entire thing and just buy all new again. That's my thought. Yeah. Well, what about you? I know you're trying to tire me. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear that. I'm sorry if you can. It's a test run. Right. Um, yeah, you know, like you, Eric, I'm on my second wing and my second motor and my second year of flying paramotors. So um, I guess I, I, I like my plan is anyways, is to keep my gear, my wing, my motor kind of in a constant rotation, you know, so like maybe every year and a half, I'll sell my motor every year, sell my wing um, for two reasons. It keeps my personal stuff fresh, but it also allows somebody who may not be in the same type of situation. Not that I've got a lot of money. I don't, but it helps other people who are just getting in the sport, maybe get a wing that they wouldn't be able to afford otherwise. So if I personally was looking 
at buying a used piece of equipment, whether it's a wing or, or whatever, I think I would start with the person's reputation and, uh, and then kind of go from there. So um, I, I sold my last wing. I sold to uh, a guy, I think he was out in Wyoming and he chose not to get it inspected, you know? So I, I would be curious to know in the chat, how many people have bought used equipment, whether it's a wing or whatever, and B, did they get it inspected? If it was a wing, that would be, uh, I'm kind of curious because my, my gut tells me that uh, a lot of people don't get their, their stuff inspected before they purchase it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of looking through the chat, uh, Josh Perry, you know, bought used gear. Uh, he just made sure it was modern and flyable, had the owner demonstrate the gear. <laughs> good choice. Um, yeah. Called the trainer before I purchased to make sure it was a good deal, you know, and that's, that is good. And, and my biggest thing is always talk to your instructor. If you are going through an instructor, he can lead you in the right direction, even on used gear. Um, second is I would, I guess from now on, I'm going to follow Mark and Will around because if they're selling gear at a hundred hours, I'm buying that gear. <laughs> um, considering Mark changes his generator oil after every night of use in his generator. I have to go to fly-ins. I have to go to fly-ins just to have my generator oil change when Mark does his, you know, once a year. But anyways. It only holds 0. 0.6, 0. 0.6 of a quart. It's simple and cheap. Exactly. Yeah, well, it took like four people to do it, though. I was there when you did it. It did. Well, that's because we have four lazy guys in one area. Or one guy <laughs> doing it and three guys watching. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um yeah uh let's see jim asked what kind of gear do i fly uh my wing is a, i have a mac paracharger um and i do fly that i have some other wings uh, jade flies a mac paracharger also um and then we have our motors are uh, the, the 185s, all three of them are. And then I have the foot launch Maverick. Jade has a Maverick on her trike. And then I have the Rebel 2 on my trike. And I'll tell you, the, the Maverick and the Rebel 2 are almost identical. So if you can't get a Maverick and you really want one, look into the uh, Rebel 2. I actually got that from Paraswag. Um, Got a got a uh, good deal on it, and very happy with that unit. Um, let's see, Ben, used gear can save thousands, but we do hear of uh, nightmare stories. That's from uh, Paramotor NC Ben. It is uh, it is heartbreaking to hear about the bad stuff that does happen. Um, but there are good deals out there. But there is good deals out there. I mean, with you guys. You know, if you're selling your gear, will selling it, you know, every year, year and a half, that you guarantee that's new gear. And and Mark, you know, you selling yours at a hundred hours, that's that's uh that's new gear too. So um and you gotta remember if you're selling gear after one year, you've already worked the bugs out. Amen. You know? Yeah. 
It's you like know? a new motorhome. People think they're going to buy a new motorhome and then that's just going to be, everything's going to be perfect. But that's when the freaking punch list starts. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you got a good point there. It's been well broken in and. Yep. And uh, yeah. Uh, so um, my um, at, uh, Nick said, uh, Nick Griffin said something in the chat about, you know, he buys used motors and he, he can fix them up and works on them and stuff. He bought my uh, Adam 80 and my Maverick. Uh, frame but uh it, which i really i saw him fly it the other day that was a good feeling yep i'm just kind of reading the chat here mark how many hours do you think you're going to have on your motor when you get rid of it i would i would like to say between 100 and 120 hours so what percentage of value do you think that that would lose? I will sell it. I'm going to sell the whole entire thing, the frame, the reserve. I'm going to sell the whole entire paramotor. Right. You know, my strobe light, everything. Um, that way, I mean, I'll lose. I'll, I don't know if you call it lose, but I'll be down money on it all. But that's the price of, you know, of playing and then um and then i'll start over with brand new everything right yeah you know so yeah i'm with you i, I plan on doing the same thing i mean and and, and the value's and in the frame it's not in the motor the value's in the frame you know um, yeah and the, i mean one of the guys here just sold his motor with about 80 i think it had about 80 hours on it and he sold the motor and pipe uh, for 1500 bucks. Well, I'm good with that because for, you know, under three grand, you could get another one brand spanking new, new pipe, new silencer, new clutch, new everything. Um, I mean, and, and there's been plenty of times in my life where I couldn't afford it, where I would have been only able to afford, uh, you know, just a used motor. And there's nothing the matter with that. And just right now, I could afford a new one, and I'd rather have a new one. So I guess that's where you have to look at, okay, what is it going to cost to replace a pipe and a silencer? You know, what is it going to cost to replace the clutch? What is it going to cost to get a new piston and cylinder? And I mean, right there, you're at the $1,500 mark. So are you better off to sell it and buy new, and then you have new? That That's my line of thinking. We, we raced uh, go-karts for a long time with my kid. And we would run tires, and this is showing my age, uh, realistically, 20, 20 years ago or so. But tires were like 200 bucks a set. And every single time he hit the racetrack, he was on a set of stickers. And then right after he raced them one time, we'd take them off and sell them for 100 bucks. And I always looked at it like, okay, every time he hits the racetrack, it costs 100 bucks for tires. But they're racing on a hundred dollar set of tires that I already got the goodie out of. And so I'll keep right. buying new. Yep. So uh, Jim smart up in Canada wants to know from will uh, excuse my ignorance, but why is the value in the frame? Why is the value? Well, uh, titanium's not cheap and the, the labor required to build the uh, units I'm, I'm assuming is considerable. Um, 
let alone everything else that goes into running a business, liability, insurance, and stuff like that. Hey, I'm probably the wrong person to ask about that. And I've often wondered it myself. But um, yeah. that's well, I mean, my and best I- guess is the materials, the designing of it. There's, it's, you know, people don't just jot something down on a piece of paper and, hey, here's a paramotor idea and frame idea. It takes a lot. There's a lot that goes into the development of a, of a new uh, a new frame. I was and a frame is. Go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. And a, and a frame itself, like the you know the metal structure itself, within reason, is not wearing out. It's not wearing out nearly like the motor. You know, your moving parts in a motor. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. You can always replace the motor, and your frame is in good shape. You basically have a a brand new setup. I did notice somebody about, uh, I think it was Josh said something about the Maverick. Uh, what's wrong? You don't like spending $500 for a new net? No, not really. No, I don't either. That's the only thing that has really turned me off about the Maverick. The yep. only thing. So uh, I think that, I think the uh, Parajet has a great name. I think the Maverick is a nice unit, but when you start replacing stuff like the Nets and it costs that amount of money, you start thinking maybe I need to look elsewhere. And uh, yeah, that is. That a was, uh, and, and hey, the Maverick is an awesome, awesome frame. I thoroughly enjoy flying that. But when I went to replace my net and I found out the cost to do it, it was just a freaking turnoff, man. Um, and, and so if, if something like that doesn't bother you, then, uh, or, or you're handy enough, because Eric, you're handy enough to make your own freaking netting and you do a great job at it. But uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not Mr. Handy. Well, the only reason that I started doing it is because I couldn't afford to keep replacing my nets. So, um, and then Jade wanted a pink net, so I had to make her a pink net. I was looking for the cost of just the frame. I had done that uh, when I sold my my Maverick, and I want to say it was like fifty something hundred dollars just for the frame. Does that sound about right? How much? Five thousand or so for the frame. Yeah, I, I would think that would have to have a harness on it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 everything without a motor. So, but but, uh, but even a harness, what's a harness cost? A few hundred dollars. Yeah. So I mean, I that's think a lot of hundreds. Yeah, but I mean, it, it frames are really expensive. Doesn't matter who you go to. So Nick Griffith, he goes. We found a Maverick replacement net from Paraswag uh, for an Evo that's under two hundred dollars. Fits perfectly. Um, Nick, I didn't want to go there, but, uh, you are correct on that. Um, uh, I found I had a, what was I waiting for? Oh, I was waiting for my net on my rebel and I had a spare, I I always carry spare parts. So I had a spare Maverick net here and believe it or not, it fit on the, uh, Maverick. So yes, they are kind of interchangeable, um, but uh, you do have to do a little alteration where the final connections are, but they do fit. 
And so. yeah, and the other thing you have to be careful with that I've, I've discovered is the netting, the, the case that goes around the hoop for the Parajet Maverick netting is really slick, which is good because yep. it keeps the lines from sticking. So um, you got to be careful with that too. Yeah. Um, what is that? I'm trying to think. There is a there's a paramotor out there that's pretty slick, but I just don't see where it would be. Um, where where the spars are, there's a joint, and it's like your lines could get caught on that joint. And I can't even think of the name of that unit right now. Hmm. Um, I saw it down at our instructors. I was not impressed. But anyway, it's like you put a piece of tape or something. You would almost have to. You would almost have to, especially if you're going to use something like that for a trike because you have so much pressure. You would have to do something. Let's see. The hoop is super strong as well. On the Maverick? Um, Josh said that to Mark. Air conception. So I don't know anything about those. And then uh, Jim said to you, Will, uh, but it sucks in the cold weather. It's not flexible at low temperature. I don't know. What's not low? What's not flexible in low temperature? I don't know. If he's talking about the Maverick, we fly ours and all winter long. Yeah, I did too. But my winner and your winner, they're two different worlds. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yeah, he's in a winter of his own up there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're talking about the Liberty Paramotors. Yeah, that, that Liberty Paramotor is the new one that Aviator is selling that okay. we were talking about before. Yeah, I just, I know nothing about that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, first time I heard of it was uh, the other night. Okay. But you know, that's good. I mean, it's good to have competition. And uh, I think the sport's growing to the point where there's plenty of room for it. And uh, I mean, however, I, I would say that if, if prices come down so much, the sport's going to just absolutely explode. You know what I mean? I mean, the more people that are able to afford getting into it, uh, the easier access to the equipment uh, kind of spooks me a little bit, you know, but uh, hey, it is what it is. And uh, I kind of feel like we're, even though the sport's been around a while, you know, I feel like we're in the nascent stages of something really big. So kind of going back to the used gear. So we we all kind of figured, you know, Twelve to fifteen thousand dollars for new gear, that includes training. So, on a new new pilot that wants to come into the sport, where do you think that price range is for used gear and training? Hmm. Around the the eight to ten thousand dollar mark. Yeah, I mean that's probably not too far off. I mean, you know, there's there's aviator training, which is good training, and you know, there's your local trainer, which can also be good training. So, I mean, there's room there. You can keep the quality high and still, uh, you know, you know, not whatever. I mean, there's, 
depending on what your situation is, there's, there's uh, good training. Um, right. And then the, uh, the equipment, I mean, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, didn't uh, someone we know buy a, a paramotor for $2,500? Maybe uh, Mr. Gott. I don't know. I saw a video of him trying out a $2,500 paramotor and it worked great. So, yeah, that was a few weeks ago. No, that's a while ago. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot longer than that. Well, I I don't have time to sit around and watch YouTube, so um, <clears throat> you, you just have to be on it, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, I think that I think used gear is a great opportunity. You just got to watch who you're buying it from, and find out exactly why they're selling it have somebody that is mechanically sound you know do an inspection on the motor uh anybody can do an inspection on the frame and then as far as the wing goes uh you're just gonna have you know a good telltale sign is make sure it's still crispy make sure there's no um cuts in the lines or the sheaths of the lines and i think uh that's a good sign of a good wing Okay, so the lines there, that's a good point. So to check the lines, how would you go about checking the lines? Well, I think the biggest thing is make sure the sheaths are not cut in any way, shape, or form. Now, that's not saying they're not stretched, and that's not saying that the wing uh, won't hold any air. So in other words, you can send wings in, you can have what's called a porosity test done, and that will tell you, if that wing will still hold air. So it'll, it measures how much actual air go, can go through the fabric. And then on top of that, the um, make sure the lines are not stretched. So somebody that does a lot of acro will can stretch lines pretty easily. So, um, but you have to send those in to somebody and they will do the test on that. And that costs money. But if you're making an investment, maybe that's a good thing. And you could run your finger, you know, you can run your fingers down the line and feel for any kind of uh, bumps, basically, or any kind of what would be a a Kevlar break inside the sheathing. Um, So there are things you can do to to safeguard against buying um, a lemon. Right, exactly. There was something I, there was something that I remember seeing in the uh, the power paragliding label uh, about what he recommended. It was something to do where you, where you take a section of the fabric and you use your thumb and you apply force to it and it should be able to withhold a certain amount of force. But I can't find that right off the top of my head. Hmm. But that's okay. Hey, I got something to show you when you're ready, too. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, something that happened to me. It was a first. While oh, you're loading that up. Um, Jim, a lot of firsts happened to me. <laughs> when you're loading that up, Jim Jim asked Mark, uh, does uh, anybody know where the wings can be tested in Canada? And yeah, I, I, I was just texting back that I didn't know anything in Canada. Yeah, and then uh, Bill H., don't buy a wing from an acro pilot. 
I think that's some pretty solid advice right there. <laughs> yeah. Trying to keep up yeah. with the wheel here too. Yeah. Don't want to miss anybody. Oh, the wheel. You got to keep up with the wheel. We got something super good. So. Let's see. Okay. I'm going to, well, let me finish this and then I'll. This is the wheel of will. The, the oh, spin, wheel, spinny wheelie winny thingy. <laughs> What's it called? Yeah. Nick Griffith. That's a good, uh, said to Jim, ask Anthony Harris. He would, he would know. I think he's from Canada. Canada? Yes. Okay. So about that. Yeah. And we got a lot of people in here. We got Tony, Sean, Jade, John Wayne, Steve, Bill, uh-huh. Aaron, Tony, Mad Sloper, Bill. Let's see. Who else? Jim. Nick, JR, JR Paramotor. Yep. Thanks for saying Deweese. that. I saw Deweese in here earlier. She probably got bored, left. Tony's in here. Angela's probably in the background listening. Uh, Linda Anderson. Hey, Bell Waller. Is Brian in here? Yeah. Hey, yep. Brian. Yeah, good deal. Brian, in my uh, video that I released today, I uh, put that little section of uh, your Hey Bell Solemn in there. That, that's copyrighted material, man. Yeah, yeah I, admit, I gave him, I, I, I put his name in there with it. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron I is in here. Kelby. What's up, Kelby? Sean was saying he sends his wings to cloud nine. Here in Georgia, we have uh, four winds is close to us. Okay. Randy. Randy's there. Get him on the list. Will, can you get all these names on the list and do your uh, video? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Um, let me pull that up here real quick. Okay, so remember what we were talking about last night? We were talking about, which we pretty much talk about every week, are heated gloves. Yes. Okay, well, I decided I was going to try because I never launch with gloves on. Doesn't matter how cold it is. I just, things don't go very smoothly for me, whether it's thin gloves, thick gloves, it doesn't matter. So normally I launch without gloves and then in the air, I put on my my gloves. Well, today I decided, well, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to wear the thinnest gloves I have. And uh, yeah, I was able to launch. But so anyways, that sets the stage. Now let me find that. That I'm going to optimize it and share. All right. Can y'all see that? Yes. Okay. Okay. So 
I'm in the process of putting on my gloves. Is my thicker gloves. Look up there. There's my glove. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see you climb that line. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, if you hear the, if you listen, let's see if you can hear the sound. (laughs) There. Right? Yeah. Yeah, you you can hear hear the pop. There. That's that's the sound of my glove hitting the prop and throwing it up there into the line. <laughs> <laughs> Me and gloves, man, we just don't get along. I'm telling you. But um, there, there's a, a something that what had happened is something that had never happened to me before. But you know, I wear a. I'm gonna stop sharing. I wear a pouch, a vest pouch, and you know it's got snaps and zippers and all that stuff. But I normally, when I'm just flying around, I'll keep one of the the I'll keep it accessible where I can reach in and grab something, you know, or whatever. And uh, I look down, and my freaking vest is like both just wide open, you know. And I'm I'm freaking doing some. Uh, I, I was doing uh, some wingovers and some spiraling down and. But hey, lesson learned, right? I mean, got to keep that vest closed. So, hey, um, did you recover the glove? Bill H wants to. Oh, know. yeah, that's a good question, man. I, I freaking, I was just real gentle trying to make it back to the airport to you know so I could get that glove back because I mean, what good is one freaking glove? <laughs> I had the other glove, so. It freaking fell off, and uh, no, I have no idea where, and I wouldn't go looking for it if, if you know, unless it was if it was one of those two hundred and fifty dollar pair of gloves. Now you know them. Yeah, I definitely go looking for it. But there you go. Brian, Brian <laughs> yeah. said you should have got some of the OJ gloves. They fit tighter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did anything yeah. happen to the prop? No, prop was uh, a okay. First thing I checked when I landed. And, uh, so let me ask you this why i okay so i launch with my liners that are electric and then i launch with my covers that are made by carhartt and they're they're a windproof material so i launch with those on and it did take some getting used to but i don't try to put them on in midair and i know jade will launch with her liners and then maybe put them on in midair so is it because you can't feel the lines or you can't feel the brake pressure the throttle that's what it is initially i mean i'm subject to losing the a's and not even know it see that's the thing i mean i think i got the a's well no i just got a freaking big ass glove on my thumb (laughs) you know okay uh, so that's it initially, or the or the toggle. I mean, you'd think you would know whether you had the toggle in your hand, but it's just, I don't know if it slips out or you think you have it, but you don't. I mean, a couple of times I've actually had to reach up and freaking grab the toggle. You know, I saved the launch, probably shouldn't have done that, but it worked out that way. Right. But so that's, that's the first part of it. 
The second part of it is like you said, I just don't have the experience. I haven't done it enough times and you do anything enough times and you know, you'll get your groove on. Um, But uh, yeah, so that was kind of my thinking tonight. I wanted to get used to flying and launching with gloves on. That uh, that's a classic video though. I like that. (laughs) Look up there. (laughs) The hell? Hey, hey, to to back up on something, uh, Sean Simons put in here uh, that he pays, I I think he said he sends them to Cloud9 talking about the wings, and it's $175 for the inspection, and uh, then, you know, any repairs, of course, is extra, but if you're buying a decent used wing, that's got to run around $2,000, you know, probably close to that. So if you only have to pay shipping and 175 bucks to get it inspected, that's probably a pretty good, you know, 225, $250 expense. Yeah, something good, you know, you don't want it to come back and bite you down the road. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. I'd rather lose 250 than two grand. Exactly. Sure. So and Sean also said that Michael Jackson only had one glove. So if you did lose that glove. that's crazy how are you doing on the spinny wheel pretty well oh see i keep forgetting i sure hope i didn't i didn't forget anybody i don't think i have oh anyways and then you're asking uh, me questions so i mean i i I know i know mark do you (laughs) does it get cold down there where you got to wear gloves yeah yeah i flew uh it's so crazy this week it was in the low 70s when i flew the week before it was probably in the upper 40s which is cold to me um and so anyways i wore a real light pair of gloves and i put those on in the air uh i've taken off with gloves on before and this time it wasn't you know like i said it was probably in the middle to upper 40s so it wasn't real cold so I just took off with no gloves and put them on once I got some altitude. Um, but when I take off with bigger gloves on, I'm a little bit, you know, I don't have a bunch of experience with gloves on. Um, so I'm a little bit nervous about losing the dexterity and not being able to feel the lines. But if you intentionally, you know, just talking for me, I'll intentionally slow the launch down and, uh, just pay more attention to what's in my hand and then I can launch with gloves on and not worry about it. Okay. Yeah. It really is an entirely different sport in the winter. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just the, with all the extra layers of clothes. I mean, it's like learning how to fly twice, learning how to launch, learning how to land, learning how to operate your freaking GoPro and find the button. I mean, it's just, it's just a different experience. So it's not a, a worse experience. It's just different, you know. So um, where okay, you but, live, Eric, it's actually a worse experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you something here. But uh, Sean said that he had Sean Simons has a video out there where he had his wing land on his exhaust, and it actually made a softball size hole in his wing when it melted. He says here it costs $20 for those repairs, and it actually burnt it in two places. That's not bad. If it only costs 20 bucks for those, Sean, did they repair it or did they patch that? 
Yeah. Was it a repair kind of like you couldn't tell that it had been repaired or was it a repair that like what Eric said? That's a good question. I, I was surprised at how cheaply I got my wing repaired uh, by Elizabeth uh, down there at Eric DeFore's place. Um, I sent a piece of the prop through my wing and two more small punctures. They patched the two real small punctures in that big section. They changed half a cell where it sent a piece of prop through it. And it was only like for the whole inspection and to repair that was like under 300 bucks with shipping. Well, actually, Mark, they sent it up to me to do the repair, and I just used duct tape and sent it back. Well, whatever. <laughs> it looks good. It matches, and it flies good, so I don't care. <laughs> okay, so, so you're saying that that when you got the wing back, could you tell it had been repaired? Uh, you could tell where they changed that that cell out. You could tell because the other the other cells didn't have a joint there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could tell that. And then where they patch the two small holes, uh, you could, you know, if you look the wing over real good, you could find the two patches. Uh, but mechanically, I think it's perfect. Right, right. Hmm. See, that's good information. That's stuff that I didn't know when I first started. And on my sixth launch attempt, I screwed, I screwed a lot of stuff up on my frame, on my motor, on my glider. You know, it was just lines on the glider. But... I thought that was like the end for me. I thought that was like, well, man, I, I ain't spending all that money again. You know, I was thinking I was going to have to buy a whole new paramotor, a whole new wing each time something happened. I'm like, man, there's no way I can afford that, you know? So I wish I would have known that because my instructor didn't even tell me that. And he was right there. You know, he could have said, hey, man, that's okay. He could have, you know, um, but yeah, stuff happens. And uh, that's, that's good to hear about i've never had to replace any fabric on my wing um but it's it's good to know it can be fixed reasonably yep i've never had to repair fabric although i did rip my wing when i was using that camera oh yeah and i i put uh sail tape on it never had a problem um lines in a day michelle um it's twenty dollars per line any line i think we're almost on a first name basis now I've talked to quite a bit. Um, and lines are very simple to replace. Just take your time. Uh, Sean says that they replace the whole panel from top to bottom. That's very, very reasonable. Uh, he says it was not a softball size. It was a three-foot burn. Oh, so it was actually big. Okay. Yeah. I see DPs in the house. Hello, DP. Hey, it's heartbreaking when something happens to your motor. I mean, some guys, and I I don't know how they do it, but some guys, they've got two or three paramotors, <clears throat> Eric. But if something happens to one, yeah, okay, they send it off, get it repaired. Meanwhile, they get to fly. But now if something happens to mine, man, I'm down until, <laughs> until you know, I get... The other day, I had to uh, replace a bolt in my, um, on my paramotor. It was the... Uh, the bolt that goes through the swing arm and you know there's specific hardness requirements specific everything and uh i spent the day traveling around in in raleigh and i found that bolt that i needed you know because i knew without it it's kind of hard to fly without a bright swing arm you know 
Well, yeah, and I and that is kind of an important part you need. You think, yeah, I, you know. So, and as far as hey, if I break my paramotor, I mean Jade can still film me when I'm using hers. So <laughs> that's right. Even if it's it a is whole nother, yeah, a whole nother reason to get your wife into the sport. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right on. Um, all right. Yeah, well, I would it, like to it, touch. Go ahead, Mark. If if you go and drop another twelve or fifteen grand on a whole nother setup just for a backup, you know your wife would maybe not appreciate that so much. But if you bought it for her, of course, yeah. yeah. And Christmas yeah. is just around the corner, man. <laughs> hey, are you guys convincing me of this or what? No, I don't think. So. <laughs> Let's see. Whack my wing and Matt Maynard. Patched it with a patch of tape. Still being flow. Yep. John, I agree. That's what I did with mine. So um, does anybody have any questions about used gear in the chat? Let's see the roommate. Sent several patches. So Brian says a buddy of his bought a used parachute, power parachute. It's with fishing line. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd want to fly that if it's a four foot long rip with uh, repaired with fishing line. Hey, I didn't add Angela Preslick. Should I add her? Nah, no, it's you know when you're late, there gets to a point when you're late, you're late. You just. <laughs> Okay, I'm, Bill, Bill said that he uses used gear. As I said, there's nothing wrong with used gear because there's a lot of good used gear out there. Uh -huh. um, just you have to make sure that it's safe and reliable. So um, let's see, Angela, do you feel it's safe and worth the savings for use? Yeah, it is. You just have to make sure that you're buying from somebody that's reputable and they take care of their equipment. I mean, Angela, Mark and Will are two examples of people that I would buy used gear from because they're buying used gear that they have already worked out all the bugs and, you know, they're, they're, they're just replacing it. Not because there's anything wrong with it, just because they want new gear. Um, Technology in the sport is not moving like a computer that you have to buy something new every year to stay up to date. Uh, but it is nice to have a new wing and it's nice to have a new motor that has maybe under 100 hours, but there's nothing wrong with anything that has over 100 hours. When I am, uh, Jade and I are down in Florida, we're going to be doing a 200 hour service on uh, Shane's motor. Um, and I'm just going to watch him do it and make sure it's done right. And, you know, so he would like to have it done and he just wants me there just to help him out if he needs Wait, it. Shane's getting a new motor. No, he's doing a 200 hour service. Okay. So he's getting all the parts and everything and we'll tear it down and um, go through and make sure that everything is uh, within specs. And then we'll put it all back together with all new gaskets uh new piston and 
maybe we'll use the old spark plug. So yeah, that that's uh, that brings up an interesting point, and and it's a good tip. And that is, if you're not willing, or you don't know how, or you just don't have the time to mess with your motor to do the hundred hour to do whatever, um, ask around your local group of paramotorists for a good mechanic or somebody who's been around and who's done it many times and is comfortable doing it, um, and pay that person to do it. You know, that's me. I mean, I'm just. I know I could do it, but at the end, I wouldn't know for sure I did it right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't have a, a professional mechanic over my shoulder telling me, yeah, that's right. No, that's I mean, when it's all put back together. It may look like a, a motor, but it might not run like a motor. So um, I, I use a, a guy here locally and have been very happy with him. And I feel good that you know, I'm taking care of my motor the way it's supposed to be taken care of. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's exactly right. I do all my own stuff because I have a hard time trusting other people with my gear. Um, so if I know that what, how I took care of it, I know that uh, it is my life and I want to be safe up there. So I will work on all of my own gear and I'll rebuild my motors. And um, you have the knowledge to do stuff like that. I mean, you're mechanically inclined and you know, well, that was, yeah, that was my original trade is I was a mechanic for many years. And then I got smart yeah. because I didn't like coming home every day dirty. <laughs> well, the other thing, I mean, it could be something as simple as not having the right freaking tool that can cost you four hours of work. Whereas you take it to a mechanic, he's got the tool it's done yeah. in 10 minutes. You know what I mean? So yep. uh, it just, Absolutely. for me, it's, it's paid big time. Yeah. Angela, I added you. And and like John Wayne said in the chat, everybody flies used gear. You know, once you've flown it once, it's used. Uh, it. But then it just comes back to, you know, knowing that you're buying a decent used piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Angela, to answer your question, it is okay to buy used gear, but talk to your instructor. <clears throat> That's what I tell everybody. So any more questions in the chat about gear, use gear, questions? We got 22, 21 watching and 17 thumbs up. Right on, man. Right on. Considering it was a last minute, sorry, we got to change stations. I appreciate all you guys. So... um, Let's see, let's touch a little bit about radios. And this is going to be where Will is going to have to really help out. So um, Mark and I were talking a little bit, and we would like to know the proper way to communicate with pilots when you have your uh, airband radio, you know, when you're flying around airports. Okay. So what would be, if you are, if, if the airport you're flying out of is requiring you to have and hold and use a airband radio, what's all involved? Well, the, first of all, the requirement to use an airband radio at an uncontrolled field, you don't have to use a radio at an uncontrolled field. It is not a requirement. The FAA doesn't require it. Um, I, it but 
and, and it's kind of the same situation on my airport. They request that we use an air band radio. Um, yeah. And it, um, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I, the, the airport that I fly out of is busy and it's getting busier and busier to the point where I'm thinking, hey, I don't know how much longer I'm going to want to fly out of this airport. Um, 99% of what I use an airband radio for is to listen and just kind of pay attention to who's in the area, who's taken off, what direction are they headed. Um, and that, so that's 90% uh, of what I use it for. The other 10% is when I'm launching, you know, leaving the area or when I'm coming back in to land. And uh, it's, so there's very little actual talking that I'm doing when I'm, I'm using the radio because here's the listening part. I told you the airport's really busy, right? So I'm listening for when I'm coming back into the airport, a good opportunity to, to come in. Cause I'm doing 25 and these lightning fast Cessna 152s, you know what I mean? They're boom, they're whatever. But there's also jet traffic, stuff like that. So I'm listening for my opportunity to kind of sneak in at 25 miles per hour and do my thing and stay out of everyone's way. Um, one of the hardest things as, as a flight instructor, one of the hardest things for a student to do in my experience is to get comfortable using the radio. There's just like this fear of, of messing up or not understanding what they're saying. Um, and, and because I'm uh, uh, apprehension. So what I tell everybody is if you don't know what to say, just speak plain English. It's a requirement to be a pilot internationally it's a requirement to speak and, and understand the english language so uh you know if you had to just speak plain english tell them where you are tell them you know roughly just tell them what you know as far as the communication is concerned it's not as hard as it sounds you tell them who you are where you are and what you want to do those are the three main things so if i'm coming in to land i tell them who i am which you know i'm a Power, para, power paraglider, um, two miles east of the field at a thousand feet, and I'm coming in for right downwind runway, whatever. And uh, departing, same thing. I tell them who I am. I'm a power paraglider. Where I am, I'm just west of the runway and taking off. And what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm departing parallel to runway five and departing to the west at 500 feet. So if you break it down into just those three simple things it makes it a lot easier two reasons it makes it easier to know what you're going to say and it makes it easier to understand and kind of i don't know when you know what the other person is is expected to say you kind of it makes it easier to 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 follow along if you're uncomfortable talking on the radio or 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 for me it was it almost seemed like they were talking so fast that i couldn't you know, like they were speaking a different language. But if you take your radio out to an airport some Saturday and just sit there and listen, all of a sudden things will start to click and make, make sense. You don't have to know anything about someone shooting a localizer approach. Well, what does that mean? Or, or, or whatever. Just the basic stuff. Of, you said something, Eric, about, you know, when you're flying around airports and stuff. I don't fly around that airport. I, my main thing as soon as I launch is to get the heck out of Dodge. And uh, 
I'm still listening to what's going on if I'm close to the airport because yeah, traffic has to come from somewhere uh, right. to land there. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's just not that big of a deal. Okay. So going back to what you just said, so the three main things to tell is who you are. Yeah. What you're going to do, who you are, where you are, and what you're going to do. Those three things. Who you are, where you are, and what you're going to do. Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, the the who you are is not going to change when you're flying a power paraglider. Now, at my airport, I say paramotor, but the proper thing to say is powered paraglider. Pilots are, they're learning what a paramotor is but they all know what a paraglider is. And so the right thing to say is a power paraglider. That way they know what they're looking for. If they don't know what a paramotor is, man, they, they don't even know what they're looking for, you know? So um, I, it's uh, my, my, my experience working with pilots and radio communication and stuff is, they're good folks. They're just like us. They're out. Most of them is general aviation out having a good time. Um, you're going to run. There's only six or eight real nasty, miserable, horrible pilots in the world, but they move around a lot. So you <laughs> you might bump into one every once in a while, but for the most part, they're really nice people. And it's a, a good group to uh, hang around. So, let, okay. So our airport that we fly out of, you know, there's very little traffic. And they don't require us to have radios at all. Um, and like you said, we've gone out there and we've listened to radios or, or listened to the air traffic when they, when they when the planes were coming in. They were having a fly-in. And Jade and I decided we're going to take off three miles away from the airport. Well, all these planes were like, when they were radioing, and you could actually understand them because a lot of them sound like the McDonald's drive through and you cannot understand them. Um, but when, when they were radioing to the airport, they were saying, you know, we're 10 miles out, we're five miles out. You know, Jade and I, we're, we're one mile now, and we're going to be there in 20 minutes. You know, I mean, it, it, we're not quick. So when it comes to powered paragliders when you know do should we radio when we're coming into an airport to let other traffic know what we're doing because we're going so slow well i mean the the correct answer to that is yes i mean it's always it's always a good idea to time to wake up will yeah right um man i i i would you know, I would radio and just announce on the frequency uh, the who, what, and where, and or who, where, and what, whatever, who, where, whatever, whatever I said. Um, why wouldn't you? I mean, you're flying into an airport, and it's just an extra safety precaution. I mean, I'll do things like even if, even if there aren't other aircraft in the area. And I've been listening on, I've been on the freak for a long time and I know there's no one else in the area. It could be that someone's flying in there and it's not even 
you know, making announcements. Airplanes aren't required to make announcements, announcements at an uncontrolled airport. They're not even required to make a left or right pattern. There's a suggested pattern, but there's no such thing as an active runway on an airport, uh, on an right. uncontrolled airport. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, why, why wouldn't you? Oh, here, here's something else that I do. Even if I'm not, uh, even if I know no one else is in the area, I'm the only game in town, and it's kind of uh, in that sunset time or whatever, I key the mic and turn on the lights. That lets other pilots or people know that, uh, hey, there's someone else in the area and let me pay more attention. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's my experience with radio communication at airports. Yeah, okay. No, it definitely answers a lot of questions, you know, and, and we've had those questions um, in the airport that we're out of, as I said, they don't require us. They don't even require us to have the radio or monitor the radio at all because there's very little traffic. Um, we have looked into airports in northern Wisconsin that say, yes, you have to use a radio and, and they're still a non-towered airport. Um, we just ended up not flying there because they weren't too interested in having us there and I didn't want to create any issues so we, you know we just found a different location to fly um but i do hear you know some people uh monitoring the radios using the radios when they're at a non-towered airport which is where we fly at um and a lot of people do have questions on that so that answers quite a few questions mark yeah. do you have any questions on that can i make one more point mark before you yes um it, because it's something you said eric about, you know, you and Jade, you were at an airport and you had people coming in on, they were five miles out. Yeah. And that's a straight in approach is what it sounds like to me. And, and a lot of pilots do a straight in approach. They don't come in and enter at a 45 degree angle to downwind. But that's, that's the importance of listening to the frequency. Because if you hear a citation is on a 10 mile final, okay, that's one thing. But then if you hear a Cessna 152 on a 10 mile final, that's an entirely different ball game. So right. it, it changes the amount of time you have. And uh, I, I mean, a paramotor can pretty much stand still, relatively speaking. I mean, an airplane's moving forward, whatever. I mean, but, you know, we can like hang out in one little spot. And uh, um, I always, always give myself plenty of room. And if it means I've got someone that's on, downwind about to turn base i'll let them go ahead first you know and i mean why push it and uh, take the chance of spooking them spooking the other airplane and just causing more confusion right Sorry, go ahead hey hey well sean asked you to explain uh, about keying the lights on on the runway sure those are called pilot controlled lighting and that just simply means what it says that you key the mic a certain number of times and it'll turn them on either low intensity, medium intensity, the whole different. You have to look in the airport facilities directory, which you can find online. Or well, actually they call it a chart supplement now, I think is what they call it. So it's a chart supplement. It tells, tells you, it's a book that, that tells you everything you'd want to know and more about an airport, including pilot controlled lighting and how many times you have to key the mic to get what you want. 
Um, so at my airport, I key the mic and by keying, I just mean I, I hit the push to talk, but I hit it fast. One, two, three, four, five. It's a certain number of clicks and a certain amount of time. And that's what, uh, that's what activates the pilot control lighting. I hope that answered the question. That does. That answers the question. You And I got a quick story. So in harbors where you keep a boat, it's the same thing when you are out. And if it starts getting foggy, you can key the mic three times at a certain channel and it'll turn on the fog horns. So one time I was sitting in the harbor in, in our boat and I'm like, you know, I wonder if that works. So I keyed the mic the three times. This thing is loud. <laughs> it now, works. <laughs> it works. Now, let me tell you, if you key the mic three more times, it doesn't shut it off. <laughs> oh, no. This went, on, this went on for five minutes. And it was a sunny day, no fog. And I, <laughs> I just let it go. Yep. I slithered down into the hall of the boat. And That's just laid, I laid low for a while. Anyways. That's um, hilarious, man. How do you shut it off? Did you ever figure that out? It just goes on for a length of time. Like this one went on for about five minutes. Yeah. And oh, five there's minutes. another point. That's a good point. So if you want the light to, you know, it's a certain amount of time that the lights stay on. So if it's been a while since you've turned them on and you're counting on them lights, key the mic again, that same amount of clicks because that resets the timer. It's a terrible thing when you're on final approach and the lights go out on you. I've had, <laughs> I've had that happen to me. Yeah. It, it, uh, yeah. Five minutes at a blaring horn <laughs> is a long time. So, Mark, did you have any questions on the radio communications or did anybody in the chat have questions on the radio communication? You know, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know Will um, is a certified flight instructor. Will, do you still do that? I'm retired, man. Retired. I can still right. do it. I keep my license current. Okay. Uh, so man, I'm all about paramotors now. Yeah. So if you guys have questions, this is where to ask. I, I have a question now. Like on these little airports around me, uh, they're private airports, uh, but they have a radio there. And I mean, like one of them's nice, has a bunch of nice homes on it and, um, you know, a real nice restaurant and everything. And sometimes those little planes, some of them fly, can fly very slow, old little planes. And they'll pull up and cruise around us and make a, a lap or, you know, they'll they'll uh, trim out and slow down as much as they can to cruise next to us. Yes, disturbs uh, the air good for you, doesn't it? Well, it, it's cool with me. I like it, and they're off to the side. Uh, but can we talk to them on our airband radio, or is that not uh, – would that be frowned upon? Uh, well, there, there's a thing. It's called five fingers, 120, Come here, doggy. Uh, that you, that you, it's not designed to use for air-to-air -air communication, um, but I can tell you a lot of people do it, and uh, it's it's more for uh, I think search and rescue stuff like that. Um, you can are you you're flying an aircraft, right? 
Yeah. Okay, then you're licensed to use an, an aviation radio you're by, by rule. I mean, you can use the radio if you're operating an aircraft. So is there a designated frequency for that airport? Or does that airport? Yeah. Well, yeah, they, you can talk to them. Yeah, because, and I mean, I don't want to, you know, get to know them. But I want, and sometimes it's obvious that they know we're there. And other times they're just pretty close to us. Uh, so I would like to let them, I'd like to know that they know I'm there. Yeah, of course you can talk to them. And, and that's what those frequencies are for, like CTAP or common traffic advisory frequency. It's an uncontrolled field, but it's designed to be controlled, so to speak, by the pilots themselves. So that's the purpose of that frequency is so pilots can talk to each other. I mean, they're not asking what you have having for dinner usually, but sometimes they do. <laughs> It's, uh, yeah. it's designed so that they can keep themselves separated. I would I would like to uh, take my radio. I mean, I bought a real nice radio and uh, never once have I used it. I charge it up once in a while. Um, but I'd like to take it up there. And like I said, they have a, a pretty cool restaurant there. Maybe go up there and turn the radio on and put it on their frequency, you know, sitting in the outside area and just uh, listen and get a feel for it. Now there, there's, there's the problem. You're not operating an aircraft at that point. But I mean, you can still listen to it, can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah, yeah. I, I won't interact with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're, uh, yeah, so, uh, I, hey, I'm not saying it's not done, though. I mean, it's done all the time. But, uh, yeah, heck, yeah, I mean, that would be a perfect, perfect time to use your radio. Yeah, because see, you guys that have have used them and are fully uh, efficient at using them, you don't think there's anything to it. To the guys like me that have never used it, we're intimidated by it, or at least I am. So if you were talking to that, uh, was it like an experimental or something, experimental aircraft? Yeah, they have a lot of those around where I live. Yeah, so you could say something as as simple as, uh, hey, um, experimental aircraft or or blue and yellow aircraft that looks like a freaking kite, (laughs) are you on this frequency? And you just start the conversation that way, you know. Okay. Yeah, I want to get, because, you know, I I fly with that aviator helmet, and that thing is built in um, your aviation radio goes on the right side my two meter that i use all the time goes on the left side and then um you know you have a push button on either side for whichever radio you want to use so i'd like to use it right on have you been keeping up with the chat i'm I'm watching it um so it sounds like Brian Waller's leaving us. Good night, Brian. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah. Matt, Matt Sloper asks, uh, Will, is there a phone app to listen to air bands? Yes, there is. Uh, well, I'm sure, yeah, I know there, well, I know there is, there's a website. Daggone it, what is that called? Um, you can actually listen to, let me do a quick search for it it records all of the the communications with aircraft. So like, say I I flew today 
and I was ha- I had a communication with another aircraft, I could actually come back to my computer and listen to it. It's really cool. Uh, let me let me do some investigation. I'll find it. Yeah. So the um, so someone knows it in the chat. Live ATC. That's that's that is it. Yeah. I think yes. that is it. Sean got that up. Hey, it's uh it's nine twelve. I don't know if you want to go ahead and give away uh that chase cam thing. Yeah. So um let's see here. You got your spinny wheel? Well, I do, and I want to uh, share my screen and at least give people a chance to say, hey, I'm not on there. Yeah, that's fine. You do that, and I'll... So everybody knows I've been doing a little 3D printing, so I 3D printed. I found this on one of the websites. It's made for a GoPro. Um, I'll send that out to you. All you got to do is zip tie all your corners all the way down, and then uh, here's the string for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a chase cam made for GoPro. Um, absolutely no warranties on it. <laughs> um, but, uh, it turned out really well. It was the first one that we did. So hopefully somebody, uh, can use it, um, and kind of let us know how it worked. It would be, uh, it would be nice. I'm actually making one for, um, Mark. And uh, he's going to put um, 10 GoPro sessions on his. <laughs> Anyone? Uh, so there's live ATC for Android. And I'm certain there's going to be, uh, I haven't used it, but there's bound to be for iPhone. I see a gray screen for you, Will. Are you kidding me? I am oh. not kidding. How about now? There you go. That's good. Okay. Yep. I don't know if Tommy Sutherland is in there. He is not. So he yeah, is here. Uh, four flight live ATC, yes. Is uh, available for iPhone. Tommy so Sutherland. you guys looking at the wheel, does, does anybody see their name not on the wheel? Uh, I'm on the wheel. Let's see. Brian Waller left. Should I erase his butt? He's out of here. <laughs> uh, Sean, where do I find these uh, designs for online for 3D print? Um, there's a CAD program that you can actually uh, work with. It's I have a Prusa, um, and that's my 3D machine, and I can download some stuff there. But, uh, oh, Linda. Linda Anderson needs to be on there. Um, I put her on there, didn't I? And then um, there's a website She's called... On there. Okay, website called Thingiverse. And that has a lot of them or Tinkercad. That's the CAD program that I use. Um, lots of designs. I mean, lots of, lots of paramotor designs. Um, there's like three different chase cams out there. 
Hey, DP uh, saying that we don't need to spin the wheel. It's already on his name. <laughs> Congratulations, DP. <laughs> this show's not rigged at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so... Um, but uh, yeah, so that's where I find all of uh, my designs. And I've done, I don't know where they're at. I've done strobe light mounts. I've done um, the GoPro, the nut that is hurts your hands every time you try to tighten it down. Little wrenches for the nut. Um, you know, so just all types of goofy things I've done. But... <laughs> Anyways, do you want to go ahead and spin it, Will, or are you still looking? No, no, I, think, I can spin it. I think everybody's on there. Randy's on there. Um, yeah, so it looks like everybody that's on there. So go ahead and spin it, and uh, whoever wins, if you could just message me, or if you want to come into the after chat and talk to get get an address, I'll get that mailed out to you. All right, it's spinning. Was my name on there? <laughs> oh, Tommy Sutherland. Dang, last go. minute entry, too. Congratulations, man. There you go. <sighs> right on, dude. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll get that sent out to you. You're going to have to tell us how it works and so on and so forth now did you just did you get that design from thing uh, thingy whatever yeah yeah it's right on there okay. um matt so what's the chase cam made out of so there's like eight different plastics that you can put through a 3d printer and this is that uh pet that i'm using uh it's a little bit flexible so um, it's a little forgiving, uh, unlike, unlike some other ones that are real tough. But you can, all the way down to PVC, you can put through the printer. And uh, what's the carbon fiber stuff you can put through the printer? So That's pretty cool. How long did it take to print that whole thing? Each feather, there's eight feathers. So each feather takes one hour and 15 minutes. And then, wow. and then the um, front, which where the GoPro mounts, that is a one hour print. So that's nine hours total. And this is the crazy thing. You know how much other companies, you know, and I, I, I'm not, I would never bash another company, but you know how much other companies um, charge for theirs. <laughs> this thing probably is $2 worth of plastic. So. Yeah. yeah. And Eric slaved over a hot 3D printer for nine hours for you, Tommy Sutherland. Exactly. <laughs> like you, man. <laughs> hey, I, we, I missed a question from DP. I was just going back through the chat. He's asking about, uh, do you have to have a helmet with a mic, Bluetooth, et cetera, to utilize the radio? And yes, you do. You, you absolutely do. I mean, you, it, you wouldn't be able to hear the uh, communication very well 
um, just holding the the uh, radio, and they probably wouldn't be able to understand you with the with your motor on your back. So I use the micro avionics, but there are a bunch of different options available as far as uh, how to do it. Um, you can get up with me sometime, I guess, and uh, and take it from there. The only one that I'm familiar with is microavionics. I think that's what Eric uses too. You still use yep. microavionics? What do you use, Mark? Oh, you use the uh, aviator. That's yeah. It. And that's right. got everything. Now, the Bluetooth, uh, does yours have Bluetooth? It does, doesn't yeah. it, Mark? Yeah. Um, someone told me there was a delay problem with the Bluetooth. So I chose to use the hardwire version. Um, yeah, I've I've never used my Bluetooth, the Cena type device on it. I've never even charged the battery. Oh, I really? just use the radios and the GoPro mount. I mean, yeah. it it's wired for the GoPro also from the factory. Yeah. Well, the ICOM's got two versions of the radio I have, the Bluetooth version and the non-Bluetooth. So I just went with the non-Bluetooth. Um, yeah, it's worked out okay. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to, let's do this. Let's put the ID into the chat. Um, copy. And then we're going to end this for tonight. And then let me put the passcode. Is Walter in here where I got to put this in there 15 times? You got to put it backwards for him. Upside down? Yep. All right. There we go. Tommy Southern says he used microavionics too. That's, yeah, with his two meter radio. It <laughs> if it worked with the two meter, it would work with, uh, I mean, I'm talking specifically about the Bluetooth connection. Uh, so there, he's, are you saying there's no delay, Tommy? You don't have any kind of delay issue or you know the with with my blue or with my uh microavionics, Jade and I have found that the um using the phone is is clearer than the radios. Agreed. Yeah, uh, we have not had real good um it sounds like the McDonald's drive-through when <laughs> we we use the 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 two-way, but when we use the phone, it actually is a lot more clear. So, I just yeah. noticed something, man. What's How come that? you guys look like like you're super super duper tan, and I look like a freaking ghost? What's going on with that? You have that special lighting or something? <laughs> well, I can tell you my reason is because I have to drive around in my truck with the heat blaring on my face. So, I don't <laughs> oh, is it. so it's burned. <laughs> Correct. Um, that, that is why I'm probably red. So, all right. I entered the ID and the passcode. So hopefully people join us. Um, Let's go ahead and end it. Mark, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at Paralife PPG on YouTube and 
online at paralifeppg.com. Great. And Will? You can find me at uh, YouTube under Will Fly or willflyppg.com. All right. You want a screenshot? Sure. And you can find me here at ppglear.com. I want to thank everybody um, for being in the chat. And of course, thank Mark and Will. Hopefully, Krista's getting better uh, so we can see her and Shane next week. Smile. Um, but uh, yeah, Two, we'll hope. There you go. Good. We're good. All right. But uh, yeah, want to thank everybody. And if, hopefully, you guys can come into the after show um, and uh, join us there. So uh, take care, everybody. Thank you. Good night.